Welcome in, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps the show get out there a ton, helps with visibility. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it's Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, Spotify. We're everywhere major podcasts are found. I also want to remind you that our podcast host, Podian, is offering all of our listeners a free 14-day free trial and 25% off your first three months of a premium membership. All you got to do is go to Podiant, that's P-O-D-I-A-N-T dot C-O, sign up using the offer code LONGHORN. They make making a podcast super easy. All you do is record, edit, and then upload your stuff. They take care of the rest. So again, if you want to sign up for a 14-day free trial and get 25% off your first three months of a premium membership, all you got to do is go to Podiant dot C-O, sign up using the offer code Longhorn. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by my good friend, a man who is responsible for the Tim Beck Twitter hack, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Oh, uh, I am I am good. I am Elon Musk, um, you know, proprietor of such things as Tesla and the Tim Beck offense. Uh, now, if you didn't see that, that was uh, just a hilarious bit of Longhorn news. Uh, this week, I'm great, Gerald. I uh, just got back from upstate pennsylvania which is mm-hmm. uh, beautiful this time of year leaves foliage are, is nice yeah oh yeah yellows reds uh oranges burnt orange if you will uh mm. shades in the in the leaves is beautiful up there uh it's also cold i was happy to get back uh back to the great state of texas but i did get to celebrate a birthday he's bashful i won't say it but a number above 80 for my dear grandfather so it's good good time that's incredible 80 Man, I'm I'll, I'll be lucky to get to 40 at this at this rate. The way the Texas team is uh, making me feel. No, I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, Oklahoma's doing this thing where it was like super cold for three days, and now it's like 65 every day, which I'm great with, honestly. Like I feel pretty pretty solid about that. Uh, but yeah, no things are things are going well. So this week we've got um, it's a bye week. Texas was able to not lose in its bye week, so that was fun. They moved up in the rankings, so we'll talk a bit of Oklahoma State. Got some news for you. We're going to do a little bit of a red red shirt watch to see uh, where Texas players are at the unofficial midpoint of the season. Got a little bit of recruiting news, and then because we've got some time, we don't have a game recap, we're going to run down all of the sports we don't normally get to that have been in season, or we'll be going into their season. So uh, literally in the show notes, it's called Sports We Don't Normally Get To, so we're going to talk about that. Obviously, we'll close the show out with some bang the drum. So, Kyle, we don't have a game to lament or get excited about or possibly both. Uh, so we'll do a quick Oklahoma State preview. 7 o'clock kickoff, ho- a homecoming, Halloween weekend for Oklahoma State. This has trap game written all over it. Both teams coming off of a bye. Luckily, though, Oklahoma State has struggled at home, which is weird. They're a better away team, uh, at least against Texas. Uh, they play much better <laughs> in Austin than they do in Stillwater. Uh, but this can be a spooky matchup. It's the 10-year anniversary of the Crabtree Halloween situation. So can a special Texas season be derailed by something dumb at night on the road in a weird place to play? 
Uh, Kyle, let's let's talk Texas first. Uh, Sam Ellinger is back on schedule. Um, he's kind of got a metered throwing cadence for the week. He started with the Nerf ball, and then Tuesday he was uh, started with ten throws in practice, and he'll move up scalably during the week. I think he'll go to go twenty five, and then fifty. Uh, his normal throwing uh, number in a day is seventy five or eighty, so he should be working up toward that toward the end of the week. Um, coaches will be watching to see if he has discomfort or if his throwing motion is weird. Uh, so Kyle, let's, let's start here. What does the Texas offense look like going into a tough game uh, without Sam Ellinger? Well, um, I, I'm mainly curious to see if that Nerf ball is one of those vortex ones with the tail that howls when you throw it, because uh, that gives a quarterback some confidence. I've thrown that thing about 150 yards myself. So, you know, if you're really just doing the Nerf ball, to uh, to build up the guy's confidence, then again another another genius uh, level move from our head coach there. But uh, no, I mean, obviously, if Ellinger is one hundred percent come come Saturday and ready to play football, he's he's the guy that you feel most comfortable with. Um, but you know, this is this is a a long season. We're just past the midway point. You don't you don't want to rush a guy back from this type of injury. Um, I you know. I do think that they've had a bye week. Um, they've had a, a chance to to draw up some stuff to get you know Bouchelle getting those extra reps, uh, even letting our guy, at least my guy, I think our guy, Cam Rising, get in there and, and take some yeah. of the snaps. Quick check, is that our guy? That is our guy for sure. Okay, all right, just making the mustachioed sure mad madman himself. All right, just making sure we're on the same page there because that could end this podcast if we had differing rising oh, no. opinions. But uh, we good. But no, uh, you know, I, I think. Getting those guys just just a little bit more uh, involved in case you know obviously Baylor caught us off guard you know um, there were some real cool clips after after the game with Bouchel you know kind of emotional and, and Tom Herman just saying look you know I'd never seen a a backup as engaged as Shane was and that's great but you still game plan you come out and draw your script you you kind of have your whole plan on what Sam can do, which is different as is well documented from what, what Bouchelle can do. So, you know, given the bye week, I think gives him a chance to uh, maybe draw a couple game plans, depending on how the injury goes um, and, and really get to have a Shane Bouchelle offense, which will be interesting to see. Um, I think Oklahoma state is not uh, the greatest defense in the country uh, or even in the conference. And so I think um, I do think there's a chance that, you know, Either of the quarterbacks could look good in there, but it could showcase some of the, the highlights that we haven't really seen uh, in at least probably a calendar year uh, from from Shane Bouchelle when when he had his his best games uh, of yesteryear. So, um, I mean, to me, I think I think any any of our quarterbacks in there have a chance for success at this. I, I do hope um, that Sam gets a little rust knocked off if he can if he can take some snaps. Um, and, and again, maybe maybe we're we're hearing. Different things are hearing uh, hearing things that are one way or the other, and we won't know. Vegas doesn't seem to know the line is very close. I think if it was confirmed by anyone that Ellinger was for sure 100% ready to go, that it would be a little bit bigger than a, about a three-point, three-and-a-half-point line um, because I, I don't think a one-in-three in the Big 12 Oklahoma State right now is better than, whether they're overrated or not, uh, the number number six to seven team in the country in the Texas Longhorns. So, um, you know, do, do you have any, do you have a gut feeling or do you have a, uh, you know, do you have a hot take on, on what you think we're going to see Saturday? Well, first of all, I, I, I struggle with the perception that Shane Bouchelle is not a running quarterback. I struggle with that perception a bit because 
if we look back, he was recruited as the number three dual threat quarterback in the country coming out of high school ahead of Jalen Hurts, who won a national championship with Alabama. So he's got the ability to run. He's not as physical of a runner as Sam Ellinger. I think that's the difference. There's a toughness and physicality. So I think Bouchel can run if necessary, whereas Ellinger runs as part of his game. So I think that's that's a thing. But I think for me, like having Sam Ellinger at 90% is probably good enough to beat Oklahoma State. Now, like you said, I don't want to trot him out there if he's not ready. We saw what that did to a guy like Sam Bradford in Oklahoma. He, he came out, wasn't 100%, went down on a sack, and was done. So, And he hasn't really been the same quarterback since. Uh, so it really, for me, like that is worrisome. I think Shane Bouchel has shown that with a clean pocket and with um, some good uh, some good protection and a, and a balanced attack, I think he's good enough in the pass to win a football game. I think if they need to go with Shane Bouchelle this week, I feel comfortable, especially really because Oklahoma State has struggled this year. Like it's it's they they just haven't been a good team. They gave up. Now, granted, Iowa State is really good. They gave up you know forty eight to Iowa State. They give up 28 to Kansas, 41 to Tech. Like, they've given up a lot of points. Their defense is struggling. So I think, again, I think, granted, Ellinger is, at 100%, is the guy to go. But if Ellinger is not ready to go, I feel pretty confident in Shane Bouchelle. And the fact that Cam Rising is getting the reps with the twos uh, when Ellinger is out is good because... Cam Rising is a really good quarterback, and I think, uh, especially with a redshirt year, he'll have a couple of years to develop and be an incredible quarterback here in a few years. Uh, so I feel pretty pretty solid, pretty confident about that. Uh, a couple of injuries piling up. Uh, Andrew Beck has been dealing with strep throat, so they're anticipating he should be back on Sunday. The McShark, uh, Jeffrey McCullough, is day-to-day with a neck injury after a car wreck. Uh, and Josh Thompson hyperextended a knee during practice. But outside of those three guys and, and the two guys we know that are shut down for the season, clean bill of health. So how do you feel going into this Texas game, this Oklahoma State game, where you've got a guy like Taylor Cornelius who – can put up some numbers, but also has shown a lot of ability uh, to miss open receivers and throw a few few boneheaded picks. Um, but on the flip side, they've got a guy like Justice Hill, who is maybe not even arguably the best running back in the conference. So uh, the Texas defense has been at strength. How do you think they match up uh, against Oklahoma State this week? Well, I, I think you kind of hit it right on the head for how I think this one plays out. I think Taylor Cornelius is probably going to have a big game. Uh, I bet he beats P.J. Locke for a deep pass um, based on <laughs> previous experience. Um, but I bet he also throws one on, you know, where he shouldn't or leaves it hanging a little bit in one of our one of our safeties. Um, maybe Stearns, but my, um, my, my Podstradamus instincts are telling me this might be a, a, a Jones game where he goes up and gets one or maybe even, uh, one, you know, let, uh, let Chris Boyd eat uh, a little bit and he uh, he he does some manhandling on his way to to get an interception but I do think uh, they're going to turn the ball over at least once um, if not twice um, through the air and I think that's that's you know Texas has a ball hawking secondary they have playmakers all over the field they have guys who sometimes 
get beat in Todd Orlando's aggressive scheme with uh, bringing blitzes and single coverages and, and against the spread offenses. Um, because I don't think they play conservatively. I think they, you know, they, they take some chances and, and I think that's paid off for them because turnovers has been the way that they've really won games um, and getting beat in the Big 12 is kind of a thing you say, okay, you know, we'll go get them on the other end. And our offense has been up to this point good enough that they could they could handle a few of those, which is probably the difference than, than in years past. Um, but no, I, I do think that, you know, like you said, Taylor Cornelius is going to sling the ball around a lot and that's great for the Longhorns. Let me say that right there. I hope, uh, I know, uh, wouldn't be the only, uh, man with a mullet who listened to this podcast. Shout out to all our listeners in, in, in Oklahoma. Um, but, uh, if Gundy listens to this, uh, this podcast, um, I hope he doesn't hear me say that he should just feed the ball to justice Hill. It's not very like difficult calculus when justice Hill runs the ball for them. They do well when they throw it more than they give the ball to Justice Hill, who's very, very good and averages like 10 yards uh, a carry and 100 yards a game, they they don't do as well. And for whatever reason, they get away from feeding Justice Hill. Um, and I think Texas has a really, really good run defense and, and quite probably the, the best run defense that uh, that Oklahoma State sees this season. Um, so, you know, I do think there's, there's the the chance that, you know, it gets into a passing game and Texas tries to force them to be that way. Um, but, you know, I, I do think it's good for us if, if the quarterback is throwing it a lot. And they have they have sophomore uh, sensation Tylon Wallace, who's who's really, 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 really good. Um, and I think hopefully we'll, we'll get uh, Boyd um, or, or Devontae Davis locked down on him. And, and I, I'm, I'm kind of leaning, my gut leans towards Boyd as the, the, the little bit quicker uh, lockdown corner of the two. Um, but yeah, I mean, they have weapons. They, they certainly do. So I, I think our defense is up to it. But I think if they can get a couple of the, the ball in our offensive hands and we can, uh, whichever quarterback's in there, get a good running game and, and get uh, get kind of the, the thing moving, then I, I think this should be a game that, that UT can control from beginning to end. Iowa State really exposed the OSU secondary. Um, now, granted, and this is going to be no surprise to anybody uh, on the podcast, but um, we are a big fan of Iowa State's receivers. <laughs> Iowa State's receivers are weirdly good for a team um, that isn't necessarily always known as a passing offense. Uh, so they're they're really really good. Tariq Milton, Hakeem Butler, uh, you know that that whole crew is just is just incredible. I remember uh, I was watching that game and, and Landon Acres like blew them up for fifty five, and later on Tariq Milton blew them up for sixty, which was just insane. Um, so I think I'm I'm a big believer that that one on the offensive side of things, I would be completely okay if if. They decide if Todd Orlando decides to play run heavy and force Cornelius to beat him. Like you're going to have to beat us one on one. Like this, this is, hey big guy, you're you're the senior leader. You got to beat us, and and I'm okay with that because I think in in the matchup of Texas's secondary versus Oklahoma State's receivers and quarterback, I take Texas's secondary. Now. Hill coming out of the backfield being shadowed by one of our linebackers is terrifying and not because of a, a skill lack on them, but just because he is possibly the fastest player in the big 12. Like I couldn't, I've never seen a foot race, but 
he's probably coming in. He's he's placing. He's at least on the podium if we have a foot race for the for players in the Big Twelve. Um, so that's going to be interesting. The thing that really I'm I'm interested to see is how the offensive line matches up with the OSU pass rush because that's that's the thing where OSU can hang its hat defensively right. is is their pass rush has been phenomenal. Uh, Jordan Brailford. Is leading, I believe he's leading the conference with eight sacks, which is which is just incredible. So, and that's been in the past. Texas's Achilles' heel is allowing other teams to to play in its backfield because again, Shane Bouchelle struggles with with hands in his face. I think it may be a size issue and a confidence issue. And Sam Ellinger, now granted, he's been significantly better in the I'm scrambling to throw rather than just one read and run. But any quarterback struggles when he's on the move, when he's having to run for his life. So uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what that matchup looks like. Yeah, and I, I think both of our tackles, whichever side Brailford puts his hand down on, are, are pretty good this year. You know, I think uh, Calvin Anderson has has been a little bit up and down, but the times when he's been good, he's been very, very good. Um, and I think the past couple games, he's really rounding into some good consistent form um, and, and has looked very, very good, um, looked great in that Baylor game. Um, and I think Cosme has had a few games where he was the, you know, the, 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 the MVP really of the offense where he was just, um, you know, mauling people. And, and so I think, um, you know, we have a good chance to, to slow Brailford down. But I think the real way that you do that um, is you run the ball. You run the football. You take away their biggest threat, right? And, and again, what, if that's Bichelle back there behind us, I, I think, again, you, you neutralize your biggest question mark because we know what Keontae Ingram can do. We know what Trey Watson can do. Um, and, and truly, like I said, I think, you know, we have the opportunity to use those running backs both in the passing game. Um, you know, especially Watson has shown a lot of uh, proclivity there. I think, um, you know, if, if you if you're get up early, if you can, you know, if you can get to where you control the clock, if you get that time of possession that we've talked about time and time again as a key for the Longhorn victory, um, then you utilize that run game. Um, you let Bouchelle show that he's a good runner. I still remember Baylor last year when he had, you know, a like a 28-yard touchdown, I believe it was, and on a read option and just smoked everyone to the end zone. And, and he kept running uh, almost Forrest Gump style through the tunnel. But, uh, um, you know, he, he, he showed he's got he's got some, some flashes there. And so I don't think he's a guy, I agree with you, that we can just say isn't going to to contribute to that but I do think uh, if you're in a close game and you're in a shootout and you let them score a lot and you're having to you know drop back and throw a lot then it becomes scary it becomes scary even though um, you know the Texas offensive line was a nominee for the Joe Moore award for the midseason kind of um, best team offensive line performance and I, I just want to take a second to say how commendable that is how much yeah. we've gone from talking about that being the biggest question mark and area of uh, potential downfall for this team. We literally said in our season preview, and I'd say a dozen times before that, this team will go as far as the offensive line. And so I don't know if there's an award for best offseason you know, hire, but I think Herb Hand might very well be that. I think a lot of credit goes to him for stabilizing and for these guys for buying in and Yancey McKnight and his strength program and all those things. But I, I think Herb Hand um, earned every dollar that, you know, former Oklahoma State um, lawsuit and offensive coordinator uh, uh, Joe Wickline couldn't quite provide that civility. And we've had some good ones, some some really lauded coaches hired in our offensive line over the years, uh, Sarles and, and McWhorter and some of these guys who, you know, had great careers, but uh, Hand has really been the one to bring that kind of toughness and tenacity back to the Texas offensive line. So just wanted to take a second to shout that out, but I still don't want to see it tested against uh, Burrowford in the, in the pass rush of Oklahoma state. And I think sticking to that game plan gives us the, uh, gives us the single, single best uh, path to success. Yeah. So one, I would, I would be, 
shocked if we don't see Herb Hand, at least on a short list for the Broyles Award at the end of the year, uh, simply because uh, he's just doing a phenomenal job. And I think one of the things that we didn't talk about in a way to kind of neutralize a an effective pass rush is throw some screen passes. Yeah, (laughs) throw some screen passes. So I, I know you're pod Stradamus, Kyle, but but. I'm going to throw my hat in the ring really quickly and make a make a make a bold prediction. So I'm predicting that we see a touchdown on a screen pass. Touchdown okay. on a screen pass. Uh, now I I don't feel confident in which running back it's going to be. My gut is saying Trey Watson, but Keontae Ingram is also the guy who seems to find the creases really well. Uh, but of the two running backs catching the ball in the backfield, I'm more confident in Trey Watson at this point. I mean, we've already seen um, him, him catch a touchdown pass. So, you know, of the two that have caught touchdown passes, uh, or the two running backs, he's the only one that's caught a touchdown pass. So I'm interested to see how that, that works out on Saturday. Because, again, best way to neutralize an aggressive pass rush, throwing screens. And just just to uh, to add on to your prediction, one thing I think Danny Young has shown some flair. Was he the one who had the? I'm trying to remember. I went blank on the Missouri bowl game last year. Didn't he have the touchdown catch out of the did. backfield? So I mean, he's got some hands and he's shown some uh, some ability there to to do that as well. So maybe we see him get a little little involved in this game uh, as well. But I love that we've run some tunnel screens, but I haven't seen a lot of uh, a lot of screen passes. And it does seem like there's always an extra page in the uh, in the Herman back playbook that they can roll out so i'd love if that were if that were the wrinkle this week and you could be join me on the the uh rarefied air of podstradamusville we i think we need to make it like a bet where where each of us makes a podstradamus prediction uh each week maybe that's that's a wrinkle we can throw in for for the rest of the season maybe so um let's move on from here a couple of quick pieces of football news and some more discussion we're going to do uh so you brought up uh Stearns and Boyd in your discussion of the Texas secondary well both of those fellas were named as semifinalists for the Jim Thorpe award presented by Paycom uh so it's it's been a really impressive year for a couple of young defensive backs uh I'm excited to see it so uh Kyle, what would it what would it mean for one of these young guys that Texas picked up to come away with a major postseason award? Uh, what would that mean for Texas as far as just kind of being uh, where it should be and also recruiting moving forward? Well, I think Texas is is DBU, and anyone who tries to say different is foolish. LSU is great, and they churn out defensive backs at a rate, and they're really the other school they, they could give a give a run for that. I think Florida talks some nonsense, but um, there are two three teams in the country that have two players nominated, LSU being being another, um, and, and Miami being the other, Texas the only, having an underclassman as one of those two on this list. Um, you know, I think this says... Texas is what it is. It's DBU, that that incredible class last year. You know, you're starting to see some of those fruits in, in most um, in your face in, in Caden Stearns, who, who, you know, like I said, just might be the front runner for this, especially you imagine if that that I think it was TCU when he had the interception and stepped out on the two yard line. If he gets a touchdown on that, maybe one of that that blocked field goal he had earlier in the year, he's able to run that back has one more of those big marquee highlight plays. Maybe this is his uh, his award to lose, you know, at that point. And again, we're talking about a true freshman. You have to stop and remember that. Uh, I think it's incredible. It's incredible. It, w- it makes D-backs who are, you know, looked last, you know, one year behind or two years behind and looked at that class last year uh, and said, man, they got five of the best in the country 
back there. I, I probably won't get to play. But you look at that and you say, you know what? I don't care. This is where I need to go if I'm going to be a defensive back. I'm, they're going to put these guys in the NFL like they have for years. Even in our down years, we're putting Adrian Phillips and uh, Quandre Diggs and just all these guys in the NFL are having really prolific careers. Uh, shout out to Holton Hill, who got an interception this week. Yeah. Um, maybe besides Puna, the steal of the draft uh, we talked about. But, you know, it, I think it would be huge if Stearns were to get this. But the guy I'm looking at is Boyd. Um, you know, besides teams who play who wear purple, he didn't do great against Kansas State or – um, or TCU, <laughs> TCU. but other, otherwise he's done, he's had a fantastic year. So no more purple teams. He'll be all right. Um, you know, he, it's interesting with Boyd. There's games when I'm like, yeah, I see it. First round talent right there. And then there's games where I'm like, ah, where? I don't know. And then I'll, I'll you know, I follow a lot of the NFL draft scouts and we had, you know, Kyle Krabs last year on, on this show doing our draft preview. And, and you see some of them on Twitter that will make a play that maybe to, to me looks routine or, you know, was like, oh, good play. And they'll say, that's it. There's first round talent, Chris Boyd right there, our number three cornerback on the board or something like that. And so I just really don't know exactly where to project him, but I know what we need, do need is just to enjoy him while he's here because he obviously will be in the NFL next year and uh, somewhere in some round he'll, he'll get there but uh, you know if he can really close out the year he's got the name recognition and he's got kind of the uh, the thinking man's the uh, put on the the hipster glasses um, cachet at, at cornerback um, that if he were able to get you know capitalized from just shut down coverage like he did against OU um, you know from just being a guy who you don't hear his name because he shuts down part of the field to being a guy who can, you know, snag a couple balls when they come his way, then I think, you know, it, it would be cool to see kind of the old dog of that of that class uh, bring this home. And I think either one of those guys has a chance, but obviously it's it's Stearns if he's on the trajectory he has to, uh, to lose at this point. So just uh, represent once again for Central Texas SCU CISD stand up. Caden Stearns is what one interception away from setting the freshman record for for interceptions. Yep. Uh, which again, incredible. Keep it keep it up. And really, I think the single season record is eight. So it's yep. it's not out of the realm of possibility that he could finish his freshman year with that many <laughs> interceptions. Like it's it's a big ask for the last part of the season, but he's halfway there. I mean, he could get most of those against against uh, a combination of Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, where he may have forty balls each thrown in in a direction his half of the field where he's at, and he has a chance to make a play on. You know, he could get he could get four in those two games, and that's not being crazy. That's just he's a ball hawking safety, and they put the ball in the air. Like the odds work out in his favor in that way. Well, and and add to that the fact that we say this is the unofficial halfway point of the season, but if Texas wins out. Big 12 championship game is game six. Yeah. Bowl game is game seven. So right. we really are. If Texas can win out or things fall in the right direction and they drop one, they could have legitimately two more, if not more, games. Like, right. I don't want to say the three-letter acronym that people are bandying <laughs> about, but if Texas wins out, that's legitimately on the table. So Texas is looking at seven more games at, at the minimum. Uh, I can't say at the minimum. Texas could be looking at seven more <laughs> games, six more at the minimum. So there is an opportunity. If he if he comes up with an interception in four of those six games, which is a big number, but still, I think he's he I I think he's due for a multi interception game. Another one he had two against TCU, which come on Jesus, uh, everybody's <laughs> picking off TCU at this point. Uh, but uh, he was doing it before it was cool. So I, I'm just I, I'm interested to see, and obviously. I'm interested to see the rest of his career, whether it's three years, whether it's four years. 
I think Charles Amenahu's season is showing some guys that four years might be the right decision comparing yeah. to, you know, guys like Malik Jefferson. And again, go get your money. I'm not the guy to say you should stay four years. Like you do you, it's your career. Right. I don't care. I'm never going to fault a guy for leaving early though. But I think seeing a guy like Charles Amenahu, who was kind of a tweener last year, have a career year come up with six sacks throughout again, when we're halfway through the season, he could be having a monster year. So uh, that's another conversation for another day. But uh, we got a tweet from uh, from a follower named Chris on Twitter uh, asking about uh, a guy who, who Kyle and I were big on last year and haven't seen a ton of this year, Tennille Carter. Um, and so we wanted to have a conversation really quickly um, looking at Red Shirt Watch. So Red Shirt Watch is a thing that's been done by Joe Cook over at uh, Inside Texas. Guy's doing incredible work. He's a really, really smart guy. Um, feel free to follow him on Twitter. He's at JosephCook89, doing really, really good stuff. He does really interesting um, like GIF breakdowns of plays. So feel free to, to check him out. I, I He's an absolute must-follow, I think, if you're a Texas fan. Um, but... There are like two schools of guys that I'm really uh, interested to talk about. I think the, the positive red shirts and the negative red shirts are the <laughs> ones that I'm really interested to talk about. Because, I mean, when you look at freshmen, um, there's four There's a, four of your starting five offensive linemen that were signed in this you know, 2018 recruiting cycle that are all red shirting. Reese Moore, yeah. Rafidi Grimai, Christian Jones, Junior Angelau, all red shirting. And then Denzel Okafor in the sophomore class is looking like he's on a trajectory to redshirt. He's played one game. Uh, he could play three more and still have a redshirt. So um, that really bodes well for the future of Texas at arguably the most important position in this this Herman uh, Beck offense. Yeah, and, and, and Okafor, you know, is a guy who has a chance, I think, to, to bulk up and get, you know, a little – he got thrown in and he just hasn't looked – up to Texas speed. And so I think he's, he's right now kind of the rotation guy can get in there, but I think a year, another year off and in the Yancey McKnight system could, could help him. But those four freshmen are all, you know, potential, you know, all big 12 caliber, at least from the talent they possess guys. So getting those guys, your big boys, you want a chance to beef up because there's a difference between high school, big and college, big, you know, you can be a monster in high school. You can be a monster 18-year-old, but there's a difference between an 18-year-old and a 20-year-old who's had two years in a strength and condition program. It's, it, just, it just is. And so anytime you get a chance to do that is great. So I'm, I'm excited to see them. And then you have to look at the other side of the ball. You have defensive linemen too, the other the other beef. You know, my, my boy who I banged the drum for recently and, and am just falling madly in love with for a guy who hasn't played a snap, Keandre Coburn. Um, <laughs> love him. Uh, what's that? I said I love him. No, yeah, I mean he's 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 you know win off the field to get a chance to win on the field. I love it. Um, but then Moro Jomo, Michael Williams, and Daniel Carson also on that D line, which we're going to be losing some talent this year. There's no doubt about that. We got seniors on that on that defensive line. We know they're they're gone. We know that you can't get around that. There's talent who've been playing in that second unit this year, but you have to have the next guys up. And so getting red shirts, getting an extra year, same thing as I said for the offensive line applies here. And so I think from a from a beef standpoint. Uh, I think it's good. I think that's a good thing. But I think you had another way that you were going with this, right? Yeah. Well, first off, like I, I don't want to be presumptuous, but when Texas has been its best, it's been because it's had an experienced offensive line. It's had an experienced high caliber offensive line. 2005 starters on that offensive line. Will Allen, Justin Blaylock, NFL guy, Jonathan Scott, Lyle Sunderland, NFL guy, Casey Studdard, NFL Stuttered. guy. 
da- uh, David Thomas at the tight end, NFL mm-hmm. guy. Defensive line, literally the starting four, all played at least a year in the NFL. You got Tim Crowder, Frank Ocam, one of my all-time favorites, Brian Robinson, who played at a high level for a decade in the NFL, and Rod Wright, again, another one of my favorites, my Favorite all-time OU moment was his pick, his his uh, scoop and score. So, like seeing those two sides have some time to mature um, is really impressive. But yeah, the 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 negative side of this is you see, you know, two guys that that are talented but but have gotten passed along in the in the depth chart. A guy like Tennille Carter, who showed a lot of flash last year, but also struggled with fumbles and then was suspended for the bowl game due to an unspecified violation of team rules. And then Kyle Porter, who, you know, is an incredible teammate for a lot of these guys, but didn't necessarily put together the on-field performance that guys like Trey Watson and and Keontae Ingram have been able to. So they've been kind of buried on the depth chart, but, um, it's, it's, I think it's the beauty of the, the new red shirt rules. And I, I love the fact that, these guys haven't redshirted before. They can take a red shirt. Kyle Porter for sure can graduate. He's been there four years. So you graduate, take a red shirt, transfer, be immediately eligible to play, and have another season where he can he can play somewhere. Yeah, and the kid was great in high school. His his college career hasn't really followed that trajectory, but he was a really, really great running back. I think it from Haiti, if I remember correctly. Um, but, you know, I could see a school like a Houston or a another smaller Texas school, an SMU or North Texas or something, um, going out and giving him a shot. Say, hey, come here with your transfer. And, and he could step in and get carries day one. And, again, character guy by all um, counts. I'm rooting for him to do that. But Tennille Carter was the one who actually prompted this question. And, and, again, my answer is just that I don't know that it's anything Tennille Carter, you know, is doing or isn't doing. But I think Herman feels very comfortable right now with a two running back rotation with, with Watson and Ingram and, and bringing Danny Young in as the spellback and really doesn't trust or doesn't feel a need to go deeper than that, especially with Ellinger, you know, able to serve as a de facto fullback at times. Um, you know, I, I think that he just feels comfortable with that. And I think for a coach having confidence and feeling comfortable goes a long way, you know, and, and I think, Right now we're six and one. We're six and zero oh in our in our last six games. And, and as uh, the great NBA vet Charles Oakley said, "If it ain't broke, don't break it." You know. <laughs> well, and and Daryl Royal said, "Dance with the one that brung you." Like, keep things running. And and it's tough to say that for guys, especially. I think Tennille Carter is going to be a guy that can that can transfer and really make an impact somewhere. And the thing I think is lost is. Texas is not treating transfers like the SEC, where they're going to block you from going to any school that you want to. We see what happened with John Bonney, who was able to transfer preseason to Texas Tech and is now a starter in that Texas Tech secondary, making a few plays for them. So, you know what? Like Tom Herman seems to be the guy who, if you're if you're not a pain, he's going to let you go wherever you want. And, and so I think... That speaks highly to a guy whose character was openly questioned in a lot of different uh, venues and avenues, and we'll talk about that maybe jokingly later on. Uh, but I think again, I I really want to see these guys succeed because they've done they've done what they can, and it just hasn't worked out for them. Um, I want to see Kyle Porter end up at a place where he can contribute and have a great great finish to a to what's been a a solid career in Burnt Orange. So I want to take a moment and talk to you about this week's sponsor, MyBookie.ag. Now, watching football is fun. Obviously, Kyle and I love it, but. Sometimes it's more entertaining when you have a little bit of a little bit of action on the games. Uh, so. 
we we haven't talked about this before, uh, but I want to give you a really cool opportunity. Whether you're an expert or rookie, you should be betting at my bookie. Now, um, if you are the kind of person that wants to bet a little and maybe multiply that a little bit, win a lot, uh, man, you can actually create a big parlay with them. So pick three teams to win. You hit all three, you can turn 100 into 600 real fast. You've got playoff baseball going on. Basketball just started. Hockey, primetime fights. There's so much that you can get in on the action on. But my bookie's the one bet I know you're going to be happy with all year. I recommend these guys because you can you can trust them. They've been in business for years. They've got fantastic online reviews and have a really easy to use mobile site. So for our listeners, my bookie is offering a 100% bonus for the last time this year. This is a limited time offer. Uh, if you've ever thought about maybe putting a little action on games, man, this is the time to do it. After Sunday's kickoff, you cannot get this bonus again. So what they're doing is they're matching 100% of your first deposit. That's literally doubling your money for free. So log on to mybookie.ag right now. Don't miss out on your opportunity to cash in on the industry's biggest bonus. You can find a link in the show notes or you can go to bit.ly slash longhornmb. Make sure you capitalize the L, the H, and the MB there. Sign up using the promo code longhorn and you'll get your first deposit matched up to 100%. Again, that's promo code longhorn. Also make sure to follow BetMyBookie on Twitter or Instagram. They personally respond to every mention and DM And this is really cool. They've given away nearly $10,000 in free money to their followers just this football season. You'll be the first to know as soon as new odds and props are posted there. That's the best way to keep in touch with them. So again, you can sign up. Go to mybookie.ag. Use the promo code Longhorn and you'll get your first deposit matched up to 100%. That's promo code Longhorn. You play, you win, you get paid at mybookie. All right, so now it's time for a bit of recruiting news. We don't have Cody this week. Uh, He is traveling, so I guess it's okay for him not to stop and get on the podcast. But Kyle and I, we're going to do our best to talk a little recruiting. So literally today, as of time of recording, uh, Texas picked up a big commitment from four-star athlete out of Permian High School, Peyton Powell. So there were two, count them, two silent commit shush emojis over the weekend. And I think we just found out who the first one was. Uh, So Powell commits to uh, Texas over TCU and Ohio State. Those are the other two major players in it. Uh, Reports are he is playing quarterback right now for Permian. And he is going to get some reps there according uh, to all the reports that I've been reading. But more than likely he's going to end up as a receiver or a defensive back. So Kyle... I know you have some some thoughts, feelings, and concerns about this, but I want to ask you before we before we jump in. Not really concerns, but comments, maybe. Um, who was the last Texas wide receiver that came from Permian High School? I want to hear. I want to hear your thoughts. <sighs> Mojo, Mojo. Friday Night Lights was one of my favorite books of all time. Buzz Bissinger before he went all the way off the deep end. Uh, Ooh, you know, I'm talking. I'm talking book here. Maybe even original movie. Love the TV show, but I'm talking Permian. Because of that, I have an affinity for Permian, and I think you wanted to stump me with this one, and and I wanted to say, oh, Britt Hager was from Permian, you know, but he didn't play receiver, of course. I know the answer to this one, Gerald, and I didn't look it up, and I hate to burst your bubble, but it's fine. This is no other, and and I hope I'm I'm saying this so confidently. I honestly didn't look this up. I hope I hope I'm not wrong. This is no other than Big Number Four, Roy Williams. 
It is. Yes. It is. Kyle, I'm so proud of you. Uh, two-time UT Rex Sports Sports Trivia Champion, Kyle Carpenter. That's impressive. Hey, That's I impressive. got an inter- I got an intramural sports championship t-shirt, baby. Don't have to tell anyone how I got that. I'm super salty that I lost two years in a row to the same person. <laughs> shout he, out to Eric Verbit. He's an yeah, incredible, shouts- incredible sports uh, trivia mind. Incredible. The, the only nice thing I'll ever say about him, Verbit. I know you listen to this podcast every week begrudgingly. You are a brilliant sports trivia mind. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's uh, let's dissect this a little bit. So Texas jumps up to number seven in the twenty four seven composite, continuing to rise in the rankings. Another shush emoji is still outstanding. We haven't checked it off the box. Uh, we don't know who it is, obviously, because it's a silent commit. But uh, the scuttlebutt is that it may be uh, wide receiver Marcus Washington. He is set to announce on Friday, and the majority of the crystal balls are heading in the burn orange direction. So, uh, Kyle. Is this just a product of Texas crushing it on field and TCU and Ohio State getting embarrassed this last week? Uh, I mean, it certainly doesn't hurt that uh, that, that players are, are, you know, looking at those schools and seeing them not perform and seeing Texas perform. We have been able to be successful on the other side of that equation. Um, but it's like the old NCAA video games, right? You got to know what you can, uh, what you're very good or excellent at what you can sway recruits with. And luckily Texas has all the boxes, literally every one of them checked when they're winning on the field. You can't negative recruit Texas. You can't, Oh, you'll hate the coolest college city in the world. One of the coolest cities, you know, in the whole country, you'll hate being there. Oh, you'll, you'll hate the tradition of one of the winningest programs. Oh, you'll hate this. There's nothing bad. You can't negative recruit when Texas is winning. Um, you know, in, 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 Powell was a guy who uh, Ohio State was high on. Um, you know, I think Marcus Washington uh, being a, a local receiver is a guy who the Horns want to make sure they get after Ohio State stole one of our one of our own and took him up there. Um, so if he's the shush, I mean, I, I personally like to dream big and think the shush is, is really just one shush to, to, to announce both Brew McCoy, Trey Sanders, and, and Marcus Washington, all three of them. But, you know, that's, that's just me uh, fully, fully – uh, throat deep in the Kool-Aid, but, uh, but yeah, I think, how do you, how do you, if you're, if you're another school, how do you negative recruit against Texas right now? Oh, they're on the up. Oh, they're, they're, they lost to, um, you know, a team the first week of the season and then they went six and oh, and they're number six in the country right now. And and this wasn't even expected to be the year for them. They're, they're on the hot trajectory. You can't, you can't negative recruit them right now. Texas is recruiting too well. That's how you negative recruit Texas. There's a there's so much talent in Austin right now. You don't want to go there. That's the best recruiting pitch that I feel like a lot of people have if you're negative recruiting Texas. Is there's so much talent, but the the interesting thing about a lot of the guys in the 18 and 19 classes that I've seen is like they want to go play with good players because they see what's yeah. happening at Alabama is that you put 22 high fours and five stars on the field you win natties and everybody getting paid. Everybody getting paid. You look at the closest approximation right now to, to them is Georgia. Georgia's been one of the best teams in, in college football the past couple of years. Texas should very much be a, a Georgia until we're in Alabama. But, you know, we should be a team that's just so full of talent that we're, we're right there that close every year until we until we get over the top. But, you know, I did think of one before we move on negative recruiting ad. I, I imagine that you could say, well, Tom Herman, He's he's six foot already, you know. He he doesn't he doesn't get to stand on this eleven inch stack of bills that that I have to make myself six foot. Said Jumbo. Um, so you know, I, I imagine just just actually let me count my bills. Maybe maybe a better. I don't know if recruits go for that type of thing, uh, but you know, uh, maybe maybe that's what Jumbo's doing these days. 
Aggie shots. I love it. So Kyle, each and every week we make a joke about what kind of podcast we are, whether it's a swimming and diving podcast, volleyball podcast, punting podcast. There are a lot of different podcast hats that we wear, but the one that we actually do wear is we're a Texas sports podcast. And so uh, football is the big, uh, the big draw, but we do want to highlight some of the other sports that we don't normally get to talk about, especially when um, it should be a light show, even though it may not be. Uh, so let's highlight some of the other sports we don't normally get to. So let's start off with tennis because they had a really big weekend. So both men's and women's tennis were at the ITA Texas Regionals. Uh, Christian Sigsgard and Harrison Scott uh, were able to take the doubles title and then Sigsgard beat his teammate Yuya Ito for the singles title, meaning that the men swept all of the things at that tournament. And then women, uh, Anna Tarati won the singles over her teammate, uh, Bojana Markovic. So the women were guaranteed to win. And uh, Tarati, who is one of the top players in the country as the women's rankings go, if I'm, I'm correct, Kyle, correct me if I'm wrong, because you're the women's tennis guy. I am. I'm a, I'm a women's tennis aficionado. Shout out to uh, all the way back as a kid watching Anna Kornikova. But she uh, she actually is number one, I believe, or she was the last I, I checked last week, I think, um, overall in the ITA ranking. She is legitimately a future superstar. Um, and just as you know, reference Sigs- Christian Sigsgard, Harrison Scott, and Yaya Itu sounds like um, one of the most like awesome uh, like uh, future Nobel laureate list for uh, for this being the the Nobel Prize endorsed podcast um, only Longhorn Nobel Prize endorsed podcast but uh, just some great names in the tennis you got to watch it just to hear the announcers I have to pronounce some of those names I want to hear Gus Johnson call a Texas tennis match just just for funsies uh, let's move on to one of the most consistent programs in uh in texas sports in the last few years is women's soccer they've just been solid like so they're ranked number 17 right now they cap off uh capped off an undefeated homestand on sunday with a 4-0 win over kansas state on senior night they are 13-2-2 on the season 5-2-1 in conference which is fantastic um, man, it is really impressive uh, to see what these ladies have been able to do over. I remember my sophomore, junior year crossing my fingers that they would just sneak into the NCAA tournament. Uh, and they've basically been a shoe in to compete for the conference and uh, play in the NCAA tournament for basically a decade now. Yeah. And, and on top of that, that's something that's very, very wonderful to see is they had nine players on the academic all big 12 was announced this week um so you know not only are they putting a product on the field but they're churning out student athletes uh the the texas sports way and and just to jump back because I, I i missed it and I, I forgot to put it in the notes men's tennis is number 15 women's tennis is number six women's soccer as you said number 17 everybody ranked Everybody is ranked. So moving on to yet another ranked team, uh, men's golf ranked number 10. They finished sixth at the Tavistock Invitational Tuesday afternoon, uh, which is a pretty solid performance, uh, but they're now on break until February. So you play the start of the year, then you come back up. It'd be nice to get a four-month break in there, Kyle. I'd go for a four-day break at this point in my life. Uh, Number two, women's golf. Uh, They just moved up to number two. Um, They won the Betsy Rawls Invitational uh, at home. They beat Alabama, who the last time Texas played them, demolished an NCAA tournament record. So getting a little bit of revenge in the regular season. Golf is good right now, Kyle. Golf is really good right now. Oh, golf is is elite. Um, like I said, beating beating Alabama moved them up to number two, and and I think 
uh, you're going to see Texas, Bama, uh, not the Garrett Gilbert variety, but women's golf heating up when they come back. They do have one more uh, match in Cabo San Lucas. Again, a tough way to spend your life as a college student to have to go participate in a golf tournament in Cabo in November before taking a four-month break uh, until February. But uh, women's golf will hope to look, uh, look hot one more time, and then both teams will be top 10 when they come back uh, in 2019. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I'm really excited to see the way this golf season turns out. It's always it always adds a lot of fun drama uh, to the end of the year. And then finally, uh, a, a sport near and dear to both of our hearts, Kyle, uh, women's volleyball. They dropped a a heartbreaker to Kansas, falling to number eight. They have eight games remaining on their schedule for the year. Close out college. They've got OU. Um, before that on Wednesday, they go to Iowa state, then OU TCU, Kansas state. It feels like a lot like the football schedule, uh, which is just awful. Um, so they're, they're again, another stellar season for Jarrett Elliott's, uh, volleyball team. Yeah. And, and, uh, the OU game, I believe is already sold out. So good on you kids for, uh, for buying those tickets and alumni, not, not just students out there, but, uh, if there are any other home games, make sure you get out there. Cause there's only eight remaining and then there will be big 12 play. Texas should have been undefeated. They did drop one to Kansas, but hopefully they can finish out the last eight undefeated, be the big 12 champions and really get that momentum heading into the tournament. And one other note I didn't put on here. I think we did say we were going to talk about basketball uh, next week because we're getting close to the season and we want to kind of give them uh, some specific shine because that's a really, really great team as well, uh, both men's and women's. But uh, the the one t- note that I, I forgot to mention when we were talking earlier, but I'll give it their own section, baseball. Interesting note. Peyton Powell, who we just talked about, committed to the football team, is not the only Peyton Powell to commit to the Texas Longhorns. And I like saying Peyton Powell. Um, very nice P's alliteration there. Uh, on on campus, baseball has a, a, a high-ranked catcher commit coming in in this 2019 class who will, who will probably see the field, if not so much this year, because they do have some senior talent coming back. But especially two years from now, you'll see a Peyton Powell um, behind the plate. Um, Peyton Powell plate uh, <laughs> next year there. So uh, just, you know, thought that was too interesting to pass up. So baseball got a little shout in there for, for this section as well. Just you had to sneak it in there. You had to. I'm a baseball guy, man. You, you are the baseball guy of this podcast for sure. But now it's part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college sports, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum. So uh, bang the drum presented by Joe Ruiz. Almost forgot it. Bang the drum presented by Joe Ruiz, our man on Twitter. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Well, I'm glad you got a shout-out to Joe Ruiz there. I got a word for just a moment. I forgot as well because we didn't put it in the notes. But you you are an inflappable host, my friend. No, this week nice. I am uh, – <laughs> I am, we never edit this thing. What are you talking about? My uh, my drum, which shall be banged, is, uh, is an age-old drum. Uh, it's a drum that I, I, I go to. I, I go to and bang as much as would I can. You, but I didn't have to bang it this week. Would you say it's a war hymn that you're... Uh, I mean, I don't want to saw that close to the bone um, or, or horn. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I would say, uh, yeah, it, it might be... Um, it, it might be my, my own wildcat. Yeah, I was trying to think. I know too much about their traditions. It's sad. Um, but as not a senior, there are no words that I'm not allowed to say. I can say them all. Um, anyways, uh, Danny Williams said it for me this week. So, so Texas Longhorns had their tip-off. 
Um, and, and they had a three-point contest, and you may have, may have seen that, men and women both. But Danny Williams, um, new to the program as a grad transfer, uh, lights it up. She's going to be fun to watch because she's a great follow on Twitter. She's got a great personality. She already seems to be a leader on this team as kind of a, the, the old head on the team um, as a grad transfer. Um, but she also just launches the ball, and she's really, really good at it. But she's also really, uh, really, really good at uh, at, at launching the uh the other types of shots. Um, so she, she recently transferred from um, a small community college outside of Houston called Texas A&M Agriculture and Mining or whatever it is. Um, but, but she, <laughs> she, she had a wonderful quote um, as she came, um, you know, before the kind of leading up to the Texas tip off and, and uh, talking about the differences between the two. And, and I'll just leave her words because they say so much more than, than mine could. She said, quote, I feel like the people at A&M, they just, hate Texas so much. But Texas people? I haven't heard people talk about A&M. I feel like they, meaning Texas people, kind of moved on. And A&M is still a little mad, I guess you could say. And there, there are no truer words than, than new Longhorn legend, Danny Williams. She may only be on campus a year, but she's already uh, a future Longhorn for life. And, and give her a follow uh, on Twitter. She's she's pretty uh, pretty funny on there as well. Um, but uh, but yeah, Danny Williams. Uh, I am so excited to watch women's basketball and cheer you on uh, because you know they stay mad. Uh, little brother just doesn't doesn't like to uh, doesn't like to let go. She's a Longhorn legend. If you've ever watched <laughs> Longhorn Network, that's I, I let's we need to make a mock Longhorn legend commercial for Danny Williams. I I love it, and and it, it's very on brand for you, Kyle. Very very on brand for you. Oh, and and also shout outs to I forgot to mention I, I didn't put this in my notes, but she's from Clovis, New Mexico, which my brother played at the Air Force Academy, and and so we would drive up there, and we'd always stop in Clovis, New Mexico, and it makes Lubbock look like a place with 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 you know character going on there it's just a little mountain nothing town and so you know again no no disrespect for to you miss miss danny williams but getting out of clovis as a you know elite basketball player and uh you know getting getting to the university of texas you have you have absolutely lived the dream so shouts to shouts to her and shouts to clovis new mexico i'm i'm a big fan so i'm banging the drum this week on rondale moore um so if you follow me personally on Twitter, uh, you saw that I may or may not have gotten um, quite a bit of joy out of what happened uh, to Ohio State on the road at Purdue. Um, the only way that it can be de- be described is just getting woodshedded. It's the only way I can describe it, at Purdue. Uh, But part of that was the performance of Rondale Moore. The guy was all over the field. He could not be stopped. And if you don't know about Rondale Moore and why it relates to the University of Texas Longhorns, for the longest time, Rondale Moore was committed uh, as part of that 2018 recruiting class. He was you know, a Texas guy. Uh, He was committed, and then kind of mid to late in the cycle, he reopened his commitment and ended up at at Purdue. And there are a couple of schools of thoughts in the recruiting circles about what how Rondale Moore ended up in Texas. So uh, one is that, you know, he and Jeff Brom actually attended the same high school, and so there's a strong connection there. There's a big connection to um, – the you know the staff there and there was some uncertainty last year with UT uh, the offense looked we talked about it ad nauseum last year the offense did not look great um, 
you know, there are guys with Rondell more skill sets that maybe don't necessarily um, get used to the best of their ability or, or haven't in their history at the University of Texas, which are all legitimate things that come up. There's another school of thought um, that, you know, Tom Herman backed off a little bit on the recruiting and, and didn't keep the relationship going. And uh, for various reasons, there, there are a lot of different schools of thought. Why? But I want to introduce a third third school of thought. Um, this was all part of of Tom Herman's plan to get back at Urban Meyer for just being Urban Meyer. Uh, it, you know, we've, we've talked about it on this podcast that um, Tom Herman is, is a Mensa member. He is a, uh, he, he's a very smart man. I may or may not have said one point that I'm not sure if he's not too smart to be a college football coach. Uh, I can neither confirm nor deny that. And if you go back and listen to our podcast earlier episodes, I will say you edited it. Fake news. Uh, so, <laughs> I Herman planted him. I'm going to say it. Rondell Moore was a plant long-term to be a thorn in the side of Urban Meyer for, uh, for the next several years. No, really. I'm just, I, I love seeing bad things happen to Urban Meyer just because he took unmerited shots at Texas last year. Um, and then the whole thing that happened at the start of this year, mm-hmm. just bad looks on everybody. So, um, I just want to take an opportunity to say, Maybe some not nice things about Urban Meyer because I have a podcast and I get to do that. So uh, my bang the drum is that Tom Herman planned out that Rod Rondale Moore would commit to Purdue and would torment Urban Meyer for the next three to four years. That's that's beautiful and I love it and it's dastardly and and I just I imagine that Rondale Moore not only you know accounted for whatever three hundred yards and hundred touchdowns against Ohio State but also personally delivered. Urban Meyer, his pizza that he ate in a golf cart, sadly, in the tunnel uh, as well. But, you know, truly, like, if if we would have had Rondell Moore, and I'm glad you have figured this out because uh, it would be an embarrassment of riches. We, right now, the I would say the best freshman offensive player in the country is Rondell Moore. And I think the best freshman defensive player in the country is Caden Stearns. And so I think just unbelievable that at some point they were both in the same recruiting class. But, uh, you know, I, I wish him all the best for a great career. And I hope we never have to play him. So he has uh, 728 receiving yards and 170 of them came against Ohio state. So 728 receiving yards, seven touchdowns, 170 and two of those came against Ohio state, which just tastes great on the lips. Really does. And he also, like, returns. He's one of the most dangerous kick and punt returners in the country. They give him the ball on the run sometimes. The guy is electric. He's, uh, I hope he beats Ohio State all three or four years, however long he uh, is in the college football ranks. Drink it in. Good till the last drop. But that's our show for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can find the Texas Pre-Gamer uh, on Twitter. It took a break on a bye week. It's kind of nice to relax a little bit, but we'll be back next week uh, or this week um, with a Pre-Gamer. You can follow them on Twitter at Texas Pre-Gamer. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. I'm still always impressed that we're able to get that Twitter handle. Uh, you can shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. We'll be live tweeting the game this Saturday, so feel free to check us out. Give us a follow on Twitter. Thank you so much for tuning in again this weekend. Until next time, hook them. Hook them.